0: Got my, there you got my story. just ask a woman there you, you are listening my story. to feminist crant I'm Megan Murphy I started this podcast back in 2012 At the time almost no one was talking about things I wanted to talk about Feminists who were critical of the third wave, of the sex industry, of attempts to frame things like objectification and pornography as empowering, who wanted to focus on women's material realities, and who were concerned about encroaching gender identity ideology and legislation had not only been pushed out of mainstream media and conversation, but out of the modern feminist movement. I wanted to provide a space for these conversations, a space for women otherwise silenced and without access to media platforms to share their work, their activism, and their views. So I did. For over a decade, Feminist Current has been a lone voice of dissent in Canada. And we want to continue, but we need your help. Feminist Current has been ad-free, government grant-free, wealthy investor-free, and independent for years. We rely solely on donors, so individuals like you, to sustain our work. Please consider signing up for a monthly or one-time donation by going to feministcurrent.com and clicking the donate tab. Thank you so much for supporting our work and women's voices around the globe. Today on the show, I'm speaking with the founder of a brand new women's rights party in New Zealand, Jill Evans. Jill has been an active member of the women's rights movement since the 70s, and a long time member of the Labour Party in New Zealand, until a visit from women's rights activist Kelly J. Keene in March led her to resign. Appalled at the violence Jill witnessed that day and the lack of opposition to that violence from the left, Jill left the Labour Party and founded the Women's Rights Party. Jill, thank you so much for joining me on the Feminist Current podcast. You have an impressive political history uh, in both the women's movement and the labor movement. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How did you become politically active in the first place and why?
1: Well I grew up um, as a teenager in the 60s so I was very influenced by um, oh, communism and um, feminism and then I went to university in 1970 which was uh, the time when um, women's liberation and gay liberation was very active on our campus at Auckland University. Uh, Germaine Greer came over to New Zealand and inspired us all, Um, (laughs) and we were all reading The Female Eunuch. Um, I then went to live in the States and was involved in the anti-nuclear movement and later Nicaragua. Um, but also, in um, I had two of my babies in the states in Kansas, and so I was involved in home birthing and La Leche League breastfeeding, and Whole Foods Cooperative and all that sort of um, activity, which wasn't, um, which was quite sort of political in a way, very much so in terms of the birthing. Um, in the middle of the states at that time because midwifery was illegal and um i also got involved i went to ku university of kansas to study journalism because i thought wrongly that that would be a way that i could um, effect change in the world and when i was up there i got involved in um, the nicaragua pro-sandinista movement um and i came back to new zealand and got a job as a pr person at um state coal mines and then the, that was the time when we had the neoliberal movement had captured the labor party which was in power at the time and they um they corporatized state coal mines and i got very involved at that time and opposing the corporatisation, so um, it was through that that I became involved in the union movement. So eventually became I uh, went to work for um, uh, at Auckland University of Technology where um, I was teaching journalism and became involved in the union at that, when, at that time and became the president of the Polytech and um, Universities of Technology Union. So I was from that, I went to work for the Service and Food Workers Union because that was a union that represented low-paid women workers predominantly, many of them Pacific Island people or Māori, and um, they... It was a a really great union. It was a bit like the SEIU in um, the States. I'm not sure of the equivalent in Canada. But it was through that that um, I was very involved in the struggle for um, women's working women's rights. And I was on the National Affiliates Council for the Council of Trade Unions, which is our national peak body, as um, one of the two women's. Conveners and went around the country promoting pay equity. So from there, um, we joined together with the Engineers Union, which is a predominantly male union, and um, I wasn't particularly happy in that environment. So I took up a position with the Midwives Union, and I spent the last five years um, trying to get win pay equity for midwives in New Zealand, and we're still having that struggle.
0: That's a very interesting history. Um, I am curious to know if you still identify as a communist. You didn't actually say if you identified as a communist or not. You just said that you sort of were first inspired to political activism through communism.
1: Yeah, I would say um, probably more a socialist Mm -hmm. um than a communist at this point in my life and
0: you were up until very recently an active member of new zealand's labor party which makes sense if you're a socialist i myself was a long time socialist and a long time supporter of the ndp which is our in canada and in in the provinces as well Our are you know essentially labor party um i am no longer a supporter but what happened you know what you you resigned Uh. recently what happened there
1: yeah, so before that, I had been um, in what was called the Alliance, which was a political party that joined together the Greens. It had Mana which is our indigenous um, representation at the time, and it also had the new Labour Party, which was the uh, left of the Labour Party. And we formed an alliance, and I um, stood for the alliance against the Labour Party um, Prime Minister at the time, Helen Clark, and um, then I, well, we we kept splitting. (laughs) And finally, um, well, we split over the um, New Zealand's participation in Afghanistan. Um, I also had, I was very inspired by Che Guevara because of my era of being in the 70s, and I went to Cuba as a, in, in a solidarity brigade. I only became involved in the Labour Party in the first instance because the Service and Food Workers Union is affiliated to the Labour Party. And it was through that that I became involved in Labour. So I was the president of the Labour-affiliated unions at one stage, which are predominantly male-dominated unions. We were the only female-dominated union. That there was. So I tried to have influence through that. And um, so I was very involved in the Labour Party. I was on the Labour Party Council for New Zealand. And um, with my work with the midwives was quite all um, encompassing. So I had stepped back and was locally, more locally involved across South Auckland, which is a low income area. Um, and very strongly labour. But what happened is that they started to be really captured by gender ideology. And so we were having arguments over remits that were being put up by the rainbow sector, which is predominantly young gay men Um, And they were putting up all these remits about having all of our public facilities were to be, have gender neutral toilets, for example. And then there um, there was remits about gender reassignment surgery being accessible to everybody to have equity. And we tried to put an amendment that you had to be over 18 to access this gender reassignment surgery and that the hierarchy of the Labour Party came down on our group of women, Labour women in Auckland, and made us pull that amendment. So it went through the conference last November um, as it was, with no age restriction, and um, so it has become part of the Labour Party policy. And at the same time, we were having a discussion again about Um, we put an amendment that we wanted more public women's toilets. And I got shut down when I tried to argue for that amendment because it was code for transphobia. And it was just rubbish because all I was trying to do, I was thinking about how when we land at Wellington Airport from Auckland, where I live, there's always huge queues for the women's toilets. Because they never, they always build the same number of cubicles for men's toilets as women's toilets, and um, of course they can come in and out much more quickly than us because they've got urinals, and we are standing there queued up. That was why I was making the point, not to do with transphobia. So we were being we were being accused of being TERFs. It sort of became knowing that that Auckland Labour women's group was full of TERFs. And uh, and then there was last year, there was the Births, Deaths and Marriages Relationships Bill, which uh, Labour was putting through Parliament. And when people made submissions, 70% of the submissions were opposed to further liberalising because we already... You could already change your sex on your birth certificate, but they wanted to make it so easy that you just go online and you can do it multiple times. Mm. And um, the select committee consisted of mostly Labour and Green MPs because they have the majority in Parliament, and they treated the women who made the submissions um, with absolute disdain And some of the worst offenders were Labour women MPs that I had supported to be selected. So I was already really upset with Labour. When um, Kelly J Keane was in Melbourne and she was about to come to New Zealand, there was the incident with the so-called neo-Nazis who had done a Nazi salute. So it was all over our media that um, Kelly J. Keane and her supporters were Nazis. Our, um, there was a move to try and prevent her being allowed into New Zealand, and our Labor leadership leaders and the Greens leaders um, were absolutely uh, unsupportive of her right to come to New Zealand and for our right to hear her speak. And um, so I was really angry about that. I hadn't even definitely intended to go to the Let Women Speak rally in Auckland that day, but I felt the need to go and point out that women of the left are also concerned about these issues because it was being very much um, put forward that you had to be from the far right and a Christian, you know, evangelist, really, to be supportive of women's rights. So I wanted to go and point out that Nazis were no friends of women, that they put socialist women and Jewish women into concentration camps and experimented on women, that neo-Nazis are the most misogynist people you could ever hope to meet. And um, all that they were doing was to discredit the um, the women at that women's speak rally in Melbourne, and so I went along, and it was just terrible. There was fewer than two hundred of us, but two thousand of people just yelling and loud music and horns and. And then they broke through the barricades that had been put up. There was no sign of any police. And um, I just was really angry about the situation. And so that was the night, March the 25th, that I wrote to the General Secretary of the Labour Party and said I was resigning.
0: I mean... It's I think that feminists for a long time, the feminists that I know anyway, who are primarily radical feminists, women who came from labor, leftist women um second wave women, I'm talking about here in Vancouver and Canada, you know, I think that we've been talking about sexism on the left for a long time and about how a a male dominated male centered left has very often ignored women, the voices of women, the interests of women. And despite, you know, sort of portraying themselves as very progressive, feminist, even men, um, at the end of the day, they, they are not supportive of women's interests. That seems to have gotten really extreme <laughs> lately um i'm curious to hear your perspective on that who you know as somebody who has um been a a women's rights activist for so long but also a leftist a labor rights activist for so long um do you see this as a long-standing problem something that's gotten worse of late what's your view
1: Yes, well, it's it's been a problem for a very long time. When I was the president of the Polytech Union, I actually at, at one stage counted the number of women who spoke compared with the number of men at our meetings. It was always largely men who speak. And so uh, the new party that we've set up in New Zealand, the Women's Rights Party, we have a rule in our constitution that women have preferential speaking rights. When I was the president of the affiliated unions, um, it was very difficult to establish myself as the chair of the meeting because um, some of the men just completely wanted to dominate. But the worst thing that happened was uh, when I was on the National Affiliates Council of the Council of Trade Unions, and we were discussing a strategic plan, this was a few years ago, And in that strategic plan, there was a section on equity, and it talked about equity for Māori, equity for Pacific people, for people with disabilities, for people of different ethnic backgrounds. And I put my hand up and I said, oh, there seems to be a typo because women are missing. (laughs) And then I noticed there was, in the list, was gender identities. So I said, unless you mean that women are part of the gender identities, So I still hadn't clicked, actually. I said, so are we fighting for men to have pay equity? And there was just absolute silence. So I put it out over my Facebook what had happened, and I got totally piled on by all my friends, my friends from the left, women predominantly, Labour women, Greens women, and women from the union movement. Mm. And they kept this barrage of trans women are women. Are you saying that trans women are not women? And they just went on and on. And I was quite confused by it, actually, because I was really not aware of the issue. Um, And so I said, well, if I identify as Māori, one of the indigenous people of New Zealand, does that make me Māori? I knew very well the answer was no, of course it doesn't. You have to be able to link back through your genealogy to Māori um, heritage. So they said, no, of course not. You have to Papa Māori. And I said, well, um, don't you have to be a woman to say you're a woman? It just was bizarre, I thought. Anyway, um about the same time, there was an article in the paper, um, and it was it was just so convoluted, the way the article was headed up. It said, not all pregnant people are mothers or women. And then it went on to say, not only are not all people who have babies, not mothers, not all of them are even women. And I, I responded to that because of my background and birthing and breastfeeding issues, um, argued against the use of the word chest feeding, that sort of language that was erasing women, Um, and again, I got piled on. So it's just very uh, disheartening when you see that um, women who you have fought alongside for women's rights, for childcare, for pay equity, and all these rights we should have won by now. And they just um, turn on you Mm -hmm. in such a bullying way, even calling you, you know, um, the C word, which I never use. I know some people do to make a point, but I don't use that. So, yeah.
0: As you're... As a, as a result of this bullying and this kind of response and your experiences with the left over the years, but again, you know, particularly what's happened of late in terms of this imposition of gender identity ideology onto women and its impact on women's sex-based rights, the violent, extremely violent threats against women who speak up, who stand up for women's sex-based rights, who challenge gender identity ideology, the silencing, the name-calling,
1: has your view on the left changed? No, I still consider myself a woman of the left, Um, but I did delete, uh, I think, about 250 of my friends on Facebook, Mm -hmm. all of whom I knew and all of whom were comrades, Mm -hmm. and that that was really hard, Mm -hmm. and I still try and maintain relationships with Labour women because many Labour women do actually agree that women's rights are being eroded and, um, and our women are being erased from the language. I mean, I was at a, a campaign strategy meeting of the Green Party that we'd been invited as uh, from the Midwives Union and the College of Midwives CE was with me. And we were talking about accident compensation for birth injuries. And they were whiteboarding uh, who the stakeholders were. And of course, women was put on the whiteboard. And immediately, um, the Green Party MP's secretary went up, got the eraser, erased the word women, and put birthing birthing person. And I just thought that was just so um, symbolic. She literally erased women and put birthing person. And that just really um, outraged me. So I felt that I couldn't vote for any party that would deny the biological reality of women and would not defend the rights of girls. So that's why um, I was toying with, after what happened at Albert Park and the attacks on on um, the women who wanted to go and hear her, as well as the violent attack on her self, to the extent that the police thought she might not make it out of New Zealand alive. We're not exaggerating. So, uh, So that's when the idea of having a women's rights party was born that same night on March the 25th, because I thought we've got to give particularly women who have no home, no political home now, women of the left, because we've been betrayed by Labour and the Greens, have been so totally captured. And we need to give women and men um, an option on the ballot because we've got an election on uh, 14th of October this year. And because of our system of mixed-member proportional um, you can have a list, a list only of MPs, and you could, your logo gets to go on every ballot in the country. So that's what we did. We set up this new party, and we're trying to get it registered as a party so we can be on the ballot.
0: I'm really glad to hear that. I would love to try to do something like that in Canada. I wonder what is on your platform specifically
1: right well we we make some very definite statements about the biological reality of um of sex because we're really concerned about the gender and sexuality relationships curriculum which is being introduced in our schools right from the time the children start school all the way through and it's teaching them about gender identity that they can change their sex and, um, and these are in the state schools where we should be teaching science and biological reality, and we shouldn't be confusing our kids. And this is a farming country, so um, children grow up knowing that there are two sexes, and that's how, um, that's how mammals reproduce. We have cows, we have sheep, pigs all around us. So obviously... That's the case for women. It must be so confusing for kids. And if they're, you know, if they're gender non-conforming, that was always um, what we fought for in the 70s when we were bringing up our kids, that we wouldn't bring them up to um, mirror sex stereotypes, that a girl could climb trees and do the things that boys play with boys and Boys could dress up, and that was normal part of growing up. And um, some of those kids would grow to be um, attracted to the same sex, and some would grow up to be heterosexual. That was part of their growing up. But now we totally confuse them with all the stuff that's been taught in schools. And like I think in Canada, you also have the drag queen story out for toddlers. which I just find bizarre. And I just think that that's really um, grooming our kids and it's confusing them too.
0: Yeah, the drag queen story hour is interesting because it's really angered a lot of people and galvanized a lot of people in protest in Canada and the US I presume the same things happened in New Zealand but you can tell me more about that I'm sure it's been framed as you know a a fight between progressives the left liberals versus the Christian right you know these anti-gay bigots and the truth is as far as what I can see is that you know, it's really just about kids. Most people are saying we are okay with drag shows. You know, I personally don't like drag. I don't find it entertaining. Um, But I don't, if other people want to do that, that's fine. But we're talking about putting these shows and these characters and the ideology that's become attached to drag, which is very much about this, idea that you can change sex and you can have a gender identity and that there's such a thing as non-binary um but it's putting this in libraries for kids and in schools for kids um and i think that the the criticisms really have been um framed in a disingenuous way by canadian media and by canadian progressives has that been the case in new
1: zealand Yes, it has. I mean, no, I don't think anybody objects, well, probably some people do, but nobody um, from the left would object to uh, drag shows in clubs um, for people over 18. And we actually had um, a transsexual, as we used to call them, um, Georgina Buyer, who was an MP in Parliament and she's much loved and everybody except, you know, called her a woman and nobody had a problem with it um, but what I have a problem with is because I've got a three-year-old granddaughter and I just don't want, wouldn't like the idea that she's being exposed because um, I've seen videos of the way the dancing is too it's not like clowns in um, in a store, presenting stories, it's it's very sexualised, and I just don't think that that's appropriate for um, toddlers. So that's one of the things. But um, broad broadly, we're advocating for women's sex-based rights because we want those to be respected and extended. Um, but we we believe that you know women's rights. Go much broader than issues like whether we can have um, our own toilets and changing sheds. Um, when we were doing the Labour Party uh, women's meeting before the conference last year, we were looking through all the remits that were before conference, trying to pick out the ones that were applicable to women, and the majority of them do apply to women, of course, and so. Our programme touches on women's health care, which we don't believe has been prioritised. We have very big problems with our breast screening programme, for example, Um, and wasn't helped by COVID, of course, but uh, a lot of women have been harmed by delays in their breast screening. We're concerned, as I said, about our children's education and about the recognition of women's contributions to society. So that gets into issues like pay equity, which um, is just, we're being, our legislation around pay equity has mired us into a bureaucratic nightmare that takes years and years to get to any outcomes. We have massive problems with um, women being able to access affordable childcare. We have problems with housing, um, particularly uh, affecting older women, and then because of um, women not earning so much over their lifetime and having breaks um, from work due to child uh, child having to take take care of children, um, we're getting into um, old age with much much less superannuation um, to live on, and many women being in rental housing so living in poverty in their old age so it spans the um, continuum of our life is the women's
0: rights party an explicitly leftist party or would you say that it has a a broader political reach
1: we are trying to reach across parties Um, but the reality is that our program is pretty much on the left. So we are trying to reach across different um, political persuasions, but a lot of the people that have joined the Women's Rights Party have never been involved in a political party before. A lot of them have been activists with um, within the lesbian, different activist groups, and um, they're very much opposed to their rights as lesbian women being eroded, in particular, their access to women's spaces. The protection of their spaces, and I'm talking about social media, as well as um, clubs and places where they would want to meet as lesbians.
0: Mm -hmm. And have you received any media coverage? Has the, the party been covered by media at all, or have you been sort of erased in that realm as well?
1: Yes, well, we appear to be deplatformed. platformed It's funny because I initially, we have to get 500 financial members in order to um, get registered as a political party. And um, so I thought it was a good idea for us to stay under the radar while we were collecting these memberships through social media. Um, and however was a thought that we should be um, trying to attract media attention to uh, attract a wider group of women and men to the party. Um, so I have been pumping out media releases about really topical issues. Uh, for example, that statement that um, Neem Ibsalem from the United Nations made, which was clearly about what happened in New Zealand, about women being shut down so i put out a press release about that and it got ignored by the mainstream media completely ignored another one on childcare um got completely ignored uh it's uh, it's quite incredible so we're obviously being deplatformed
0: that statement was really surprising Unfortunately, because I think what was in the statement was, you know, it, it should be pretty obvious that women should be able to speak about their rights and their realities in public without being threatened. You know, your country, New Zealand, had Jacinda as a as a prime minister up until recently, And she was celebrated as a feminist. I'm curious to know what you felt about her leadership. Do you feel that she was representing women's interests and defending women's rights during that time?
1: I was very supportive of Jacinda Ardern's leadership because she did take us through COVID. um, And I believe saved many, many thousands of lives by our, you know, drastic lockdowns. Um, but that, that was controversial mm-hmm. in itself. And as a result of that, she became a target of huge misogyny and it was really awful and I think led to her, um, you know, resigning as the Prime Minister. However, during her time this gender identity had captured the party and a lot of legislation was being pushed through and is still being pushed through under her leadership and and now under our current Prime Minister, who was asked, what is a woman? And he couldn't define it, even though he has been married, he has children, he does know what a woman is, but he couldn't bring himself to say that a woman is an adult human female. So it's very disappointing. And the other thing about women during COVID, I don't know if this happened in, in Canada, but many, many women lost their jobs during COVID because they were in, um, in areas like hospitality, which basically shut down. The Labour Party at that time bought in... Um, free apprenticeships and promoted them all over social media for um, trades. So the images were of gumboots and hammers and things like that. And we tried to say, we've got a shortage of nurses and midwives and teachers, women-dominated occupations. Why aren't you putting any money into that? And they just didn't into their training. So they just didn't do it. So, you know... It's very disappointing, really, and we fought through the Labour Party to get fifty percent women in parliament, which was achieved in this current parliament and yet look, look what's happened. I feel quite betrayed by the women that we put there,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure um I mean, I opposed the the lockdowns and the mandates in Canada, um, and really pushed back pretty hard in terms of Justin Trudeau's approach to COVID, which I felt was pretty authoritarian, you know, he tried to shut down free speech, he tried to shut down protests, um, and he really vilified the Canadians who were speaking out about that, but I suppose, um, you know, so I'm also opposed to Jacinda's approach as well, but I'm, I suppose I'm wondering what you think about, um, free speech i feel like there's been a conflict among feminists in terms of the the leftist feminists who are really um you know they want to be heard they want their criticisms around gender identity ideology and legislation to be heard but they aren't necessarily supportive of free speech that is considered to be hate speech you know misogynist speech speech that's been labeled racist so on and so forth and then of course there are there are feminists who are free speech absolutists who believe that hate speech should not really exist as a legal concept that anything should go and we should be having public debate and no speech should be shut down um so i'm curious to know what your perspective on that is
1: yeah, that's that's the danger, you see. So a few years ago, we stopped some um, far-right people coming from Canada, actually. I can't remember their names. But they didn't get to come to New Zealand. And, um, and I supported that they shouldn't be able to come. But I've changed my view on that, obviously, because um, they might be coming after you next time.
0: Mm. And that's
1: what's happened. So you know, we have to be able to um, have free speech even if we don't like what people are saying because actually they, they might be right. And someone did actually say that to me. She said that when I was on the Labour Party Council I often took a different view to the majority but that didn't mean that I wasn't right. That, that business that you were talking about, about the mandates, that's um, something that we're staying away from in yeah. our party because uh, it is so controversial and a lot of the people who have joined the women's rights party they did lose their jobs through the mandates particularly in the health system mm-hmm. and of course you know i was working for the midwives union and we lost uh, oh uh, we lost a lot of midwives during that mm-hmm. during that time mm-hmm. and um and that at the end of the day who suffers from that? are the women who are, you know, having babies and needing help with breastfeeding. And so, you know, I thought that um, we were told on one hand that um, PPE, you know, protective equipment was going to protect people who are working in the health system from getting COVID. So in that case, why did they have to be all vaccinated? So even after the mandate was officially ended, Te Whataora, which is the name of Health New Zealand, still would not will not hire people who are not vaccinated, and I, I don't think that's right. So it's it's a very what we might say a complicated issue. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, uh, we lost a lot of nurses in Canada for the same reason. Um, and a lot of those women haven't gone back to work. Um, so you, uh, there's a general election coming up in October in New Zealand. What's your feeling in terms of the political climate? Um, you know, in Canada, it's it seems as though the Conservative Party, for example, has um, gained... Quite a bit of popularity, and the Liberal Party has gone down a few points. Um, I could speculate about why that is, but what's happening in New
1: Zealand? Well, we're just less than six months out from our election, so it should be starting to become clear, but it still seems to be from the polls on a bit of a knife edge um, between Labour and the Greens, and um, national and act, which is the, uh, very much a liberal party. I was going to say far right, but actually uh, they're very liberal. Um, there's a bit of an idiot leading the Conservative Party in New Zealand. It's called the National Party. And um, he's, he, yeah, he, he has to rely on his financement um, spokesperson to speak, Because he just keeps, uh, he's just making a fool of himself all the time. But um, the Liberal Party is sort of coming out in favour of women's rights, sex based rights, at public meetings. But on the other hand, every single MP in the New Zealand Parliament, whether of the left or the right, voted in favour of this very radical self-sex ID. Radical, I say, because it's just so easy to do and you can do it multiple times. And what it's done is it's given the impression to local bodies, like councils and other organisations, that they can't protect women's single-sex spaces. And that's not the case, actually, because it's been in our Human Rights Act since 1993 that women have sex, you know, that we can have single-sex spaces for safety and privacy. So we've got the incidents is where women-only swimming sessions have been open to anyone who identifies as a woman, which is um, which is excluding In fact, women who have been sexually abused are not comfortable with having um, male-bodied people in their swimming session and in their changing sheds. It excludes people of different ethnic backgrounds like Muslim women who would not be able to participate in that environment. And um, a lot of women are concerned about their girls being put into these situations in high school changing sheds for example, boys being really stupid in these gender neutral toilet areas. So actually it's become a bigger issue. So what that means is that there is a likelihood that these um, national particularly act people will be able to make a play um, on those women's rights issues. I, I don't believe they're genuine. And um, Labor and the Greens um, are just so captured. Goodness knows what's going to happen, but it seems to be on a knife edge. But our goal is really just to try and influence the parties to um, see that women do have a voice and are prepared to speak out.
0: And... How can people in New Zealand support
1: the party or join the party? Well, we need to have 500 members who are financial members who have signed up um, to the party, and it's quite strict how the Electoral Commission goes through all, all those applications. And how they can support it is you get two votes in New Zealand. You get to vote for your Electoral candidate, electorate, your local candidate, and you get to vote for what? the list, your party vote. And with us being on the ballot, people can vote for whichever candidate uh, has says they'll support women's rights for the electorate, but they can give the women's rights party their party vote so that we can send a message to all the parties that is not acceptable to ignore women's voices, so that's basically our our strategy. But first hurdle, and it's a big hurdle, is to get um, the membership up so that we can get ourselves registered. We have to do that by the fifteenth of July, so we're well on the way. But um, yeah, it's not it's not it's not an easy hurdle.
0: Well. I wish you all the best in your endeavors, um, and I hope that the the party will inspire women in other countries to attempt the same thing. Thank you so much yes. for talking with me today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. You can find us online at feministcurrent.com, tweet at us at feministcurrent, or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libson and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Spotify, and beyond. You could even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Feminist Current is produced and hosted by myself, Megan Murphy. We have been ad-free, sponsorship-free, wealthy investor-free, and fully independent since 2012. If you enjoyed this podcast, and if you value independent women's media, by women, for women, no compromises, please consider making a donation to support our work. Just visit FeministCurrent.com and click the donate button.